Um, yeah, today's message is about baptism, um, and you might probably think that uh, you've probably you know all about this. Um, so uh, just bear with me in case you do know all about baptism. If you don't, um, it's actually a, a quite a, a an interesting subject, just in terms of what it really means and the different belief structures around baptism as well. Uh, it's not simply a case of uh, dunking in water and it's done, but there is a whole load of stuff around baptism that we need to know about uh, because what it actually does uh, is we are baptised in the Holy Spirit and become a Christian and therefore as an expression of that uh, baptism of spirit that we believe in God, uh, we come and we express through a baptism in water uh, to everyone else uh, who, who we believe in and that, that is a uh, a firm show of who we believe in. So I want to talk about that today. And our main verse um, is, as maybe some of you might have guessed, uh, is Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Uh, and it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Um, So we're going to take this verse apart a little bit and look at the things behind it and what it means. Um, What we see in this verse above, above all else, is this principle of baptism. Jesus commanded his church to go and make disciples. And in fact, at one stage we had this uh, as our uh, motto, we called it. Um, This is more than a motto. Uh, This should be the standard approach for every church. This should be it. This should be not just a motto, but this is how we live. Go and make disciples. That's the the core of every church that believes in Jesus Christ. This is a command to his disciples and therefore a command to us. And his church has got to do that today. It doesn't stop. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it does mean that Jesus commanded us also today as Christians to continue this practice of baptism. Jesus here speaks to us today through his word in the same way he spoke to the disciples in that moment. If we affirm that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, then we follow his commands. Uh, We don't pick and choose his commands. Uh, Some are harder to follow than others. Some are more difficult than others. Uh, But that doesn't mean we can just not do them. Uh, And I'll get on to more the the kind of detail around baptism and, and what that really means for us. But we are here as the same disciples in, in, a, in a similar way to come and make disciples and to baptize them. And of course, the, the example we do as Christians is that we live by Jesus' example. And Jesus, of course, was himself baptized by John the Baptist. And if we believe that we're to be more Christ-like and to follow what he does in every way, then we must follow his example. Matthew 3 verses uh, 13 to 15. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, Then John contested. I find it hard to read. That's it. Then John contested. John's consented, rather. Contested. That would be terrible. I'm changing scripture. Uh, Then John consented. (laughs) He did contest. What would have happened there? Um, So even Jesus goes there and he he goes to be baptized. Um, And here is a weird thing, and just on the surface when you watch this, when you read this verse, 
is that John, who is not Jesus, clearly, and is not equal to him, but is, is the closest. It's mentioned that John is the closest to Jesus. And actually, uh, when we look at this, you think, wow, how can John be baptizing a sinless, perfect Jesus? How can he be doing that? And actually, the, the, in, when I've looked at this, the, the real point around this verse is not really the focus that John was doing it. Actually, it's what happens after. It's what happens after it, uh, he, he baptizes Jesus and the Spirit comes upon Jesus. The Spirit comes down and fills Jesus. And so actually it's, not, it's nothing to do with John in that sense, but to enable the next stage of what Jesus is going to do, which is the Holy Spirit comes and it, it comes upon him. And this is great because then we take it away from people, we take it away from John. Not about John, it's all about Jesus. But Jesus gives permission for this to happen so that the Spirit can come upon him. Those of us that believe today, those of us that have a conviction in Christ, should now be going into the world. That is what this message is about. Much like Jesus going ahead of us so that we could receive salvation and baptism, those people who have helped us in our faith were also complying with the command to go and make disciples. You all, us all, were at some stage helped by other Christians to come to faith. Whatever age that was, whether that's parents, whether that's friends, whether that's family, at some stage people in your life have come around you to speak Jesus into your life. And so they were complying with the command to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, uh, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we start getting this sense that actually baptism is really important because it's not only uh, that we come to faith and then we're done. We're not doing baptism because that's what brings faith. That's what makes us Christian. We do baptism because, one, it's a command of Jesus, and secondly, because it's an expression of who we are in Jesus. It is to show that we believe in who he is and what he has done. It's not a validation of the good work of the people around us. It doesn't credit them just because they've talked us through the gospel and helped us to become believers. Baptism is an expression of the union we have with Christ in his death and resurrection. Many churches will say the same thing. It's an expression of union with Christ. Some churches will not believe that. And some churches will say that you have to be baptized in order to become Christian to receive the gift of grace, to receive the Spirit. That is not how we view things. From a biblical point of view, it is biblical, as it is written, that when you become a believer in Jesus, you are filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and as an expression of that filling of the Spirit, you are baptized in the water to represent, to express the death and resurrection of Jesus. Do you understand? It is not so we receive something in water. If you believe that, then that's a Catholic Church belief. If you want to believe that, then that's fine. That's entirely up to you. But here, we believe that it is not something that they call a sacrament. It is not something we call an ordinance. It is something to express our faith in Jesus. It is not something we have to do in order to gain 
Jesus. I'll go into more detail as we go forward. We spoke last week about witness and how it's a powerful expression, not of how well I worked out or we worked out our own salvation or even that we've done the ceremony that guarantees union with Christ, but that it promotes Christ above self, seeks him above all things in our life. Romans 6, verse 3 to 4 says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This church, and many other churches like us, if you want to call it Baptist, that's fine, but many other churches like us uh, believe that in order to be baptised, there must be consent. There must be consent. And the reason why this is really important is because we don't believe in the other bit where children don't know that they're being baptised. Children don't know that they're being sprinkled with water. People don't know that. It is an intentional decision. The only way you can do that, let's start linking it together, the only way you can do that is if you've received the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. You understand. You cannot be baptised unless you have a faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't work like that. It cannot be a faithless baptism. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul spoke, actually, uh, once in Acts, I believe it was, and he says that she, he wasn't talking about baptism, he, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And even at one point there's a mention, and a, this is, I'm, I'm riffing here, by the way, so if, forgive me if the verses don't suddenly come to me. But at one point, he tells people that you were baptised by water that wasn't by the Holy Spirit. You were baptized first in, 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 in water by John, but now you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now you need to come and believe in Jesus. That is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The water does not baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Does this make sense? This is how it works. Otherwise, baptism doesn't make sense at all. Come to faith, and then you show your faith to people through baptism. It has to come from a place of desiring to express the faith that we have truly come to understand. And some people, some churches, might believe that with little convincing we should just baptise people as and when they ask, possibly without really knowing that person, if they really have a true faith, they've really come to an understanding of what baptism really expresses. Because here's the problem with that approach. If you're getting baptised, the representation of dying in water to be risen again as a new life to represent Jesus Christ, which would also say you need to know Jesus Christ first. You need to know who he is. You need to know what being a Christian is about. Otherwise, we are just dunking people in water. It doesn't mean anything just to dunk people in water, take them back out and send them back out in the world. If they don't know Jesus... It is nothing more than a, a, a religious ceremony. It doesn't really mean anything. Must come to a knowledge and faith, a knowledge of what Christ's death and resurrection truly means. Because here it is, not truly understanding 
the sin that Christ bore on himself for the justification of many, not understanding that fact before we do our representation, before we go through that expression. We're kidding ourselves if we don't understand the price that Jesus paid on the cross for our sin. In Acts 8, there's an account of Philip and the Ethiopian. And some of you may have been expecting this verse, but bear with me as I try and shuffle around. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot. Acts 8, 28, 35. On his way home, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah uh, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture uh, and told him the good news about Jesus. And the scripture that Philip reads to the eunuch is from Isaiah 53. It speaks of Christ's death on the cross for all sin, all iniquities, so that those who accepted Christ would be made righteous by the confession of sin and embracing of a new life in Jesus. Just a, a, an excerpt from that, from the message, uh, which is in Isaiah 53. There's a lot of text on there, but here is the part I want you just to see here. You can read all of it if you want. But it says, Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones. Philip explains to the eunuch everything about Jesus. He tells him everything about him. He says, who is this guy? Why has why this happened? Who, what's going on here? And he, tell, he goes to proceed to tell him everything about Jesus. And the eunuch, through understanding, not through baptism of water at this point, but through understanding of what Philip told him, through receiving the eunuch understood the true nature and purpose of Jesus Christ and the way he made for us now. And now he understands what he needs to do. He understands what he wants to do and why he should do it. It goes on to 36, 38, and 30, 36. I don't know why they're not all in there. Uh, as they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is the water. What can stand in uh, the way of my being baptised? Uh, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again but went on his way rejoicing. Uh, do you see what's happened here? Uh, when he's believing in Jesus Christ, he said, right, uh, I want to be baptised as Jesus Christ commanded. So he gets baptised and what comes of that? There is no point here where it says that something else happened to him. The only thing that happens to him is a rejoicing in Jesus Christ. 
that actually he recognizes that in that moment, he is confirming what he believes. He is reaffirming through the baptism in water, through what he has received through Jesus Christ. So baptism is an expression of faith and therefore only for believers. The meaning of baptism includes the fact that it is an expression of the faith of the one being baptised. It's not something that an unbeliever can do. Acts 2, 37 to 39 says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter probably repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all who, whom the Lord our God will call. Remember, being baptised, two, uh, two principles being baptised, one is of water, one is of the Holy Spirit. So what he's speaking about here is repent of you, baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus, forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and then the representation that we've read earlier of then going into water to represent the gift of the Holy Spirit through that baptism of the Holy Spirit, not baptism of water. So how do we get to that point? How do people get to the point where they've got to understand Jesus first, know and love him and give their life to him, in order that may they, they may show that expression of faith. We must repent. Everyone must repent. Come to a realisation of our sinful state so that we receive the salvation of Jesus Christ. Repentance, coming to faith and being baptised are not individual modules we can pick and choose from. They form part of the whole expression of our living faith, expressing and living out our personal salvation through faith to Jesus, and then expressing that union with Christ through baptism to everyone else for the glory of the kingdom. Why do you think that if, if, you've, if you've been baptised, why do you think you invite loads of people? It's not so you suddenly receive something else from God. You've got that. It is so we are a witness to the people that stand and watch us get baptised. It is a confirmation to them that we believe in Jesus. But we already believe in Jesus and have received the Holy Spirit and it is an expression to them. And so a witness to those who we invite to baptism. Baptism, baptism, baptism in water has its rightful place. Colossians 2, verse 11 to 12 says, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised. With him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. In baptism by faith we are united with Christ in his death, burial and resurrection. Baptism betrays what happened spiritually when we received Christ. Our old self of unbelief and rebellion and idolatry died and a new person of faith and submission came into being and that's what we confess to the world and to heaven when we are baptised. 
And this is why we believe in full immersion baptism. This is why you are fully dunked. Head goes underneath. Whole body. Some churches believe in sprinkling. But the reason we believe in full immersion, uh, full body covered baptism, is not because this church has baptist in its name. It's not because of that. It's because it's biblical. The word baptism in Greek means dip or immerse. It means to totally dip yourself. In, in the verses we looked at with Philip and the eunuch, uh, he led him down into water and led him and took him back out. That is an immersion. It is not simply a walking in a puddle. He actually immersed him into water. It's the most powerful representation that we can do here on earth to best symbolize the power of Jesus' burial and resurrection and therefore the work that Christ has done in us. We have been made a new creation in Jesus Christ. We as believers are now spiritually born into the new covenant people of God. So where does the church fit into all of this? Because you're baptized. When we come here, and if you've been baptized here, or any church actually, there has to be then, what happens afterwards? I, I have a faith in Jesus. I totally believe in him. I give my life to him. I've then been baptized in water to express that. Now what? What's the purpose of church? Because I've got Jesus. I've got everything I need. Today, we are gathered as a group of new covenant people. So the local church sits at the end of this process. This church sits at the end of that process. It becomes a facilitator. And yet sometimes it has become the place where we go to die. And that's not what church is meant to be. Church is meant to enable, equip, release the saints for all the good work that Jesus has for them. Where after confessing a genuine faith in Christ, being baptized and being part of a new covenant people, the local church provides a form of membership in order that we may demonstrate a desire to obey God in being one body. God tells us to be one body. And you can talk about all the different admin and the, and the, the things involved in membership, but actually at its very core membership, is just to enable and so to facilitate the command that we should be one body united under Christ. We don't become Christians to get and get baptized to qualify for church membership. And if I'm honest, after the journey that Jesus took me on as I was coming to understand who he was, membership was put in its rightful place. Is so that Christians can live out and express that desire and command of God to be part of the body of Christ, represented in his church. That's what it's here to do. It is not a badge. It is not an ID card. It is not a membership card. It is to enable God's people to work together for the benefit of the kingdom. It is to live out the faith amongst the body of believers, so to encourage one another and share that living faith with the rest of the world. Let me end on this verse that I think just summarizes uh, really what we've been talking about. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14. 
And it says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many. You see how that works. The interchange between one body but many parts that we don't just, we're not robotic and do all the same, but we make in each of our gifting, in each of our calling of mission, as we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and called to Jesus, we are one body working in our mission field, in our calling. This is what it means to be baptized. Baptized in the Holy Spirit that we may come to a knowledge of him. Baptized by water to express the faith and express that ultimate belief and conviction that we have. I'm going to pray. And we'll close our service today with our blessing. Father, we want to thank you that we can come to a knowledge of you, that you're so freely accessible. And Father, you ask that we admit our sin, that, you, that we admit that we are sinful people. But in that, Father, you release us to be powerful disciples for the kingdom that we may go out and share the gospel so that other people may know of this awesome Jesus that has changed our lives. And Father, we thank you that we can represent uh, the death and resurrection in baptism that you commanded us to do. And in the same way that we symbolize communion, that we symbolize the Last Supper through our Holy Communion, Father, we thank you Uh, that you look upon these things in the right way, in our right hearts, that you look upon these things as things that honour you. Not religious, not tick boxes, not things we have to do to get something, but to represent what we already believe and have given our life to, which is Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that we have this amazing gift of grace. We thank you, Father, that we can come to a knowledge and a salvation of you. Father, we thank you for everything you are. Amen.